So we're live, we're streaming, and super excited that we're here for those who are in the room and those who are watching online. And next week, I can't believe this, Carly, next week we have our Easter services. If, um, if you've got tickets for the Easter, actually, I'm going to talk more about the Easter services at the end of the message, um, so you'll be able to know all the details and times and dates and places and locations and stuff like that at the end of the message. So that'll be at the end of the message today. And before we even dive in today, two things. Number one, for those of you that have been giving to Second Chance Church, I just want to say thank you. Um, because of the way that you're giving, we're actually able to do Easter services next week. We had to like uh, rent sound equipment and, and all that stuff, and you made that possible. So I want to say thank you for those of you that give so generously um, to Second Chance Church. And also wanted to welcome LifeSpring Church again in Tennessee, the great state of Tennessee. LifeSpring in Sweetwater, Tennessee is joining us today. So I want to say hi to all those guys and gals up in Tennessee and super excited that you're here. We're, we're finishing up a series today called What Hap What Do You Do When Life Falls Apart on You? Last week we talked about part one. It was criticism. Today we're going to talk about part two. And if you have a Bible and you want to get to where we're going, we're going to go to Acts 16, Acts chapter 16, and we're going to hang out there um, for, for all of today's message. We're not going to be flipping all over the place. It's just Acts chapter 16. What do you do when life falls apart on you? Part two. Kind of felt like I was in the spirit of Dre right there. Anyway, um, one of the things that I've discovered is a lot of times things fall apart on us when we believe the wrong thing. So it's possible to believe the wrong thing, and as a result of believing the wrong thing, bad things happen. Are, are you tracking with what I'm saying? Everybody know what I'm talking about? For example, I grew up um, in the country. I didn't, I'm not a city boy. I Actually, I am now. Um, but I grew up in the country, and this was back in the late 70s, early 80s, um, where um, kids didn't grow up in safety. You put your kid outside. It didn't matter how hot or how cold it was. You stuck your kid outside, and you didn't let them come back in. So that's what my mother did to me. And so I'm out in the woods, and we're playing, and at night she goes through your hair and gets all the ticks out and stuff like that. But I remember on this particular day, it was super, super hot. And I was outside playing, and um, me and all my friends, we were near my cousin's house, and we all got really thirsty. And listen, all I wanted was some water. And all my friends wanted was some water. So we went up to my cousin's house. His name is Tim. And we knocked on Tim's door. He lived in, lived in a trailer, and we knocked on the door. And Tim came, and I said, hey, man, we're out here, we're playing, we're thirsty, can I get some water? And I should have known that something was off because he got this grin on his face. It was, and it was, as I look back, it was a little devious, a little evil. And he got this grin on his face. He was like, yeah, yeah, I'll get you some water. And he goes in the kitchen and he takes it, it takes him forever. And I should have known once again, but I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. And he comes back to the, to the door and he's got this glass and it's full of ice and water and he hands it to me and he's got this smirk on his face and I was like oh my gosh because I'm so thirsty you know what it's like when you're so thirsty you just want some water so bad because it's so hot and you're sweating so much and so I didn't even think I took the water from his hand because I trusted him and took a big swig and what I put in my mouth wasn't water it was the biggest gulp of vinegar that I've ever had. Now, I'm not that I drink vinegar a lot, but it was the biggest gulp of vinegar, and I was so shocked that it, I just kind of spit it out everywhere. 
what, what, what it was, I never would have drank the vinegar had I known it was vinegar. But I thought one thing and another thing was reality. And I think a lot of times that happens to us in our Christian faith. We think one thing, but another thing is reality. And if we think the wrong things, a lot of times we'll wind up giving up on God. Not because God's mean or bad or evil or did something wrong to us. It's just because we believed the wrong thing. So today, if you're taking notes, I want to go over four myths that we buy into, four myths that we can believe about God. And if we believe these myths, sooner or later, we'll give up. We really will give up. Here we, here we go. We're going to dive in. Myth number one. Following Jesus will always be easy. Following Jesus will always be easy. That's a myth. It's a myth. Now, everybody here in this room knows people that just make things look easy. I know people that make hitting a golf ball look easy. Anybody in this room play golf? Anybody in this room ever hit a golf ball? I've never hit a golf ball in my life. And I've tried. I've legitimately tried to hit the ball, but I've never physically made contact. That's not a joke. But some people make it look easy. I was watching um, the basketball tournament this weekend. Those guys make dunking the ball look easy. I've, I've dunked once and it was by accident. I didn't mean to. It just kind of happened. Um, some people make cooking. Do you know people that just make cooking look easy? They go in the kitchen and they, a little bit of this. They don't even have a recipe and they just kind of throw stuff together and it comes out of the oven and it's beautiful. They just make it look easy. And a lot of people, a lot of people, if we're not careful, if we just look at them, they make Christianity look easy. But here's what I've discovered about people that make Christianity look easy. They only show you their highlight reels. You never see the bloopers. And the bloopers are far more than the highlight reels. Christi Listen, following Jesus is always the right thing to do. It's not always the easy thing to do. And we're going to see this in Acts chapter 16, looking at the life of a guy named Paul, who, if anybody didn't have it easy, it was Paul. We're going to pick it up in verse um, 6. We're going to pick it up in verse 6. The Bible says this, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit. Now, that's huge. We're going to come back to that in just a little while. Everybody remember that. So he was kept kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Paul is right here. He's got the opportunity to go right here and preach. This is the next step for him. This is the easiest step. This is the most logical step for him. But the Holy Spirit said, no, no. And Paul's kind of struggling to figure this out. He's like, okay, if I don't go here, the next verse says, then they came to the border of Mysia. They tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So once again, Paul tries to go here and God says no. And then Paul tries to go here and God says no. So the next, this is an easy step. This is an easy step. And God keeps going, nope, not here. No, not here. And Paul, if, I, if I'm Paul, I'm getting frustrated because I'm trying to do what I think is the right thing. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit resisted him both times, which is huge. Remember, we're coming back to that. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Treos. Uh, verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision. 
which I don't know about you, but God has spoken to me in the middle of the night before, and I just always wish he would do it during the day when I'm awake, but he does it at night sometimes. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, I want to stop right here. Macedonia was a long way away. Macedonia wasn't like the next town over. It wasn't like they could hop a flight and go like an hour or two. Macedonia was going to require them getting on a boat and sailing. Macedonia was not an easy next step. It was going to take a long time. It was going to take an investment of money, and it was going to take an investment of time to get to Macedonia. But eventually they were going to get there, which just goes back to the point. Following Jesus for Paul in this context wasn't the easy thing to do. But it was the right thing to do. And the, the reason I bring this up is because there's some people that really do struggle following Christ. And we've been told by people who, who intend the right thing, but they're not teaching us the right thing. If you're struggling in your walk with Jesus, it just means you're doing it wrong. And I would say if you're struggling in your walk with Jesus, you're probably making progress. Because following Jesus is always the right thing. But it's not always the easy thing, which leads to number two. Number two is this. Anytime I face resistance, it has to be the devil. Anytime I face resistance, it has to be the devil. Automatically, um, we, sometimes people's minds go to bad places really fast. The other morning, well, I say the other morning, it's about a month or two, I was waking up. And you know how you wake up in, in the morning, and some people, they just get right up, but I kind of take about two or three minutes to kind of, you know, do that stretch thing and kind of get what, and, and I was kind of, I had my hand on my stomach, and I felt, um, I felt an, a lump right here in my stomach. And I'm, I'm about 46 years old, and it kind of freaks me out because, number one, everybody, like, I'm a walking genetic time bomb. My, like, my mom's side and my dad's side of the family have had every disease known to man and some that haven't even been invented yet. And so, and, and I'm in my mid-40s, which is typically um, where people just, I mean, it's like, hey, I had a great friend, and he was great and healthy, and he just dropped dead, and he was 46, and I'm 46. I heard about that happening the other day, so I was freaked out. So, I've got this tumor on my stomach, and I'm like, oh, dear God. So, Within 30 seconds, I don't know if you've ever done this to yourself, within 30 seconds, I had preached my own funeral. I was like, okay, this is what's going to happen. I don't know who, maybe Pastor Stephen Furtick will come down and say some good things about me. Um, he could preach my funeral, whatever. And I made, this is a true story. This really happened. I can't make this stuff up. And I went to the mirror to see this tumor, and it wasn't a tumor. It was an ab. I had an ab. I'd never had an ab. I'd never had an ab in my life. I've been working on that. And then I, the more I looked, I had like a two-pack. And then I kind of backed up and turned to the side, and I had a four-pack. Some of y'all like, did you have a six-pack? Please, people, I, no six-packs for Perry, all right? No, no, no six-packs, abs, or in the refrigerator, okay? No six-packs. <laughs> and, and listen, if you got offended at that, it's my life, people. I can laugh at me, okay? Just shut up. So, so what I thought was bad was really a good thing. Here, let me show you my app. I'm not, not, not going to do that. Here we, here we go. I want to go back. I want to go back to Paul. And, he, let, let's, and I told you we were going to come back to this. 
Paul, the very first place he tried to go, who resisted him and told him no? Who was it? Anybody? Holy Spirit. Spirit. It wasn't the devil that told Paul no. It was the Holy Spirit. The second place Paul tried to go, who resisted him? Once again, who resisted him? It's not a trick trick question. Who resisted Paul? Holy Holy Spirit. It wasn't the devil. It was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, not the devil, kept telling Paul no. And Paul learned the principle in this story that I'm learning in my life, and I'm sure many of you are learning in your life. Rejection simply means a new direction. Rejection isn't always a no. Rejection simply means a new direction. So maybe you're here, or maybe you're watching online, and the reason that relationship didn't work out is is not because the devil broke you up. It's because God had something better planned for you. Maybe the reason the job fell through wasn't because the devil didn't want you to have that job. It's because God had a job, had a better job somewhere down, down the line. Maybe the reason that situation that you prayed about didn't work out is because God had something better. It's when we face resistance in life, it isn't always the devil. We give the devil way too much credit for the work in our lives that we, in reality, looking back, we will give God credit and glory for. So Paul goes to Macedonia. The Bible says this, verse 11, From Traos we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samantharace. The next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. Now watch this. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. Now, I'll stop real quick. Dealer in purple cloth means that this woman had some coin. All right? She was, she was rich. In order to purple cloth back in Bible times, meant that you had some money, and if you were a dealer in purple cloth, you had, like, a lot of money. And this is going to be really good because she's going to be able to kind of help support Paul's ministry. We're going to see this in just a second. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Don't miss this. She worshiped God, but she wasn't a Christian, which is a lot of people in the southeast part of the United States. They, they know about God, but they ne- don't actually have a relationship with Jesus, which is what really changes our lives. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. This, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So at this point, things are going great for Paul. Because when we start out, remember we said being a Christian isn't always the easy thing, but it's always the right thing. Paul's trying to go here. Nope. Paul's trying to go here. Nope. He gets a vision in the middle of the night. Come to Macedonia. He gets to Macedonia. He goes down by the river. There's Lydia. She's got some coins. She gets saved. She said, come stay at my house, which you know if you're going to stay at her house, she's going to have a nice bed. You're going to get some food. Everything is going great for the apostle Paul. And that's where we come up on myth number three. And myth number three is this. The safest place to be is in the middle of the will of God. The safest place to be is in the middle of the will of God. 
I want to tell you, the middle of the will of God is a great place. It's an awesome place. But it's not a safe place. We are obsessed with safety in America. Obsessed with it. I mean, I grew up in an era where the, the car seat was my dad's hand. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And by the way, that was safer than a lot of car seats. Um, now we bubble wrap, bubble wrap our kids and we send them out to play and we bring them back in. And, and it kind of holds, hand, hold, holds hands with that myth is if you always do the right thing, good things will always happen to you. Have you ever heard that? If you always do the right thing, good things always happen. Not true. Learned that in the third grade. Third grade, I stand in the hall, went to a Christian school. So we, when we went to the bathroom, we had to come outside and stand in line and we couldn't talk. And my friend, Donnie Farmer, this was his real name, Donnie Farmer, um, he said something that was funny and I had water in my mouth. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this, but have you ever had like water or something in your mouth and, and you get cracked up? and it comes out your nose. Anybody ever had that ha happen to them? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, nobody, like four people raising their hand, but everybody's nodding their head. Like, that happened to me, though. And Miss Rice, my teacher, walked up and she said, Perry Noble, which, by the way, you say my, you say both, if you say Perry Benjamin Noble, that usually meant my party was over, but she said, Perry Noble, you spit in the hall. And I was like, no, ma'am, Miss Rice, I didn't spit in the hall. And I never will forget this. True story. She looks at me and she said, Perry, if you will just tell me the truth, you will not get in any trouble. And I thought, I'm at a Christian school. It's a Christian teacher. <laughs> Might have been a stretch. Um, I'll, I'll tell the truth. I said, well, Miss Rice, I said, what happened was Donnie told a joke. I thought it was funny. I had water in my mouth. I got cracked up and water came out of my nose. She said, not only did you spit in the hall, but you lied. Go to the principal's office right now. And I got a, I got a paddling that day for telling the truth. It really happened. It really happened. What do you, some of you are like, well, what if Miss Rice is watching? She ain't. Um, but it, it, we, we fall into that idea. If you always do what's right, you'll always get rewarded. Because the safest place to be in life is in the middle of the will of God. Let me ask you a question. Was Jesus in the middle of the will of God at all times, yes or no? Yes, he wound up on a cross. How in the world did we ever get that the central theme of Christianity is safety? We, we see it happen to Paul. Watch this. Verse uh, 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. Now, I want to stop real quick. They're going to the place of prayer, and they meet a demon-possessed woman caught up in human trafficking. Can we all agree that this is a, this is a bad situation? Yes or no? Yes. All right, good. She, <laughs> this is where it gets a little comical. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, not saying not whispering, shouting. These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Stop. Have you ever been around a person that got on your last freaking nerve? You don't have to point in this room, but, but like, have you ever been around somebody that got on 
your last nerve and you went to another room or you went to another state or to another nation to get away from that person. Now, can you imagine you're Paul and you're walking around and this woman, because some people are looking at it going, well, she's telling the truth. Well, actually, if you kind of study the context of this passage, she's mocking them. She's making fun of them. And everywhere Paul goes, Paul goes to the Waffle House and she walks in right behind him. These men are servants of the Most High God telling you how to be saved. He goes to Walmart to try to get away from her, right? These men are servants of the Most High God telling you how to be saved. He can't go anywhere. This woman is following and mocking them everywhere. He goes, so Paul, Paul reached his I have had enough moment. And we see this happen. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. Now, logical question. Why didn't Paul do that on the first day? Here's the answer. I don't know. I wish I knew. I would have like done it the first time. Like, if I had that kind of power, I'd have been like, Shabow! I mean, I would have just kind of thrown it on her, right, and just kept on moving. Maybe that's why I don't, I don't have that, right? Verse 19, when the owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face authorities. Now, I'm going to stop. Did Paul do something good here, or did Paul do something evil here. He did something good. He did something good. He set a woman free from demon possession. Going to go ahead and chalk that up as good. And he set a woman free from human trafficking. Okay, that's, that's two good things right there. Can we all agree that Paul did something good? So when he gets drugged to the marketplace to face the authorities, he's probably like, ain't no big thing. What I just did for this lady was good. I helped her out. Verse 20, they brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. I'm going to stop. They didn't quite tell the truth. They didn't say, listen, we had a slave and she was making us a lot of money. And they cast the demon out of her. They didn't, they didn't do that. They lied about Paul and Silas. But, once again, if you're Paul and if you're Silas, you're not worried. Because they lied about you. And you're there because God wants you to be there. And you're doing what God wants you to do, right? So everything is going to turn out okay. There's a bow at the end of this story, right? Wrong. Verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Which if I'm Paul and Silas, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. How, how about a fine? How about like, but, but can we all agree that this is a bit extreme? For what Paul and Silas did, they did something good, and now they're going to be, first, first of all, can you beat me with my clothes on? I mean, that, that would be, that, that, that's, but, but you got to get me naked and beat me. That's what's happening in this story. We can all agree that this is bad, but 
Was Paul in the middle of the will of God, yes or no? Yes, he was exactly where God told him to be, doing exactly what God told him to do. And now he's going to get the beatdown, literally, the beatdown. Verse 23, after they had been severely flogged, <laughs> they were thrown into prison. Now hold up. Not only did Paul wake up this morning expecting things to go normal, he's been stripped, he's been beaten, and now he's been thrown in jail. Can we all agree that this is a bad day? I, I don't know if those three things have ever happened to you in a day or not. Um, I, I, not me. I'm just saying this is a bad day. The jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Paul was following Jesus, and all hell broke loose. And everybody knows what that, that's like. You see, if we believe that the safest place to be is in the middle of the will of God, then when all hell breaks loose, we'll convince ourselves that either God's not worth it or, or Jesus isn't who he said he is or the Christian life just isn't worth it. And we'll come up, but listen, listen, listen. Every single one of us, if we're in the will of God, are going to go through a, a stormy season. It's not if it happens, it's when it happens. And when it does, what's our response going to be? Which leads to myth number four. And myth number four, this is one of the biggest ones we've got to wrap our minds around, especially in the Christian community, and it's this. Myth number four is this. Because I am wounded, I am worthless. Because I am wounded, I am worthless. Now, everybody in this room, everybody watching whether you're watching live or whether you're watching on delay, everybody knows what it's like to be wounded. Some of us have been wounded by others. Other, other people said something to us. They did something to us. It might have been last week. It might have been 20 years ago. But everybody that you lock eyes with is carrying a wound, most likely given to them, um, directly or indirectly by another person. All of us have been wounded by other people. And, and most of us, if we would be honest, we carry around some self-inflicted wounds as well. I, I'm, I'm in both categories. I've been wounded by other people and I've got self-inflicted wounds. A lot of times we just want to focus on the wounds from other people and we don't want to focus on the self-inflicted wounds when actually the self-inflicted wounds many times are the most painful wounds, but that's another message for another time. The problem is when we get wounded, a lot of times we'll say, we've been wounded, therefore we're worthless. And there's actually, there's actually some people that would tell you that. Oh, you've been wounded? It just means you're worthless. You've had this situation, you've had this breakdown in your life, then you can never expect a breakthrough in your life. And that's not true. Because we see Paul... Because if I'm Paul, can, can, we, can we all agree that if I'm Paul, I'm pissed? Wouldn't you be? 
Hey, God, I fought. God, I, I, you know, I did what you did. I went here, and you said no, went here. Then you woke me up in the middle of the night, and there's the angel, and I got there to the river, and Lydia, and she had some purple cloth, and she took me into her home, and she made a nice dinner. It was great. Then the demon-possessed girl was following me everywhere. Couldn't even go to Target and Walmart, and so I kind of got rid of that. Next thing I know, they took all my clothes off and beat me up and threw me into prison. And God, I'm a little upset right now. Like, he had a case. But that's not what we see Paul do. Verse, verse 25, about midnight, <laughs> Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, this takes a solid relationship with the Lord. I'm, not, I'm just going to go ahead and say, I'm not sure I'm mature enough that I would have been praying and singing hymns. I would have been... I would have been saying some stuff, but it probably wouldn't have been prayer and hymns. It would have probably been anger and frustration or revenge or whatever. But, but Paul was so confident in his calling that he refused to let the criticism crush the calling out of his life. He refused to allow a setback prevent him from a setup. He refused to allow what happened to him to define him. And one of the things that I'm learning personally and one of the things I've seen in ministry is people that walk around as victims never walk in victory. Yes, we've been wounded, either by ourselves or other people. But at some point, we got to decide if we're going to let that define us or we're going to let that we're going to let it defeat us. Are we going to let it be a part of our story? Or are we going to let that become our story? Because if we let it become our story, we'll stay in prison for the rest of our lives. A prison that we placed ourselves in. So Paul and Silas said, we're going to, we're going to sing. And it, it got crazy in verse 26. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. All, at once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. I'm going to pause here and I'm just going to mention it because it's in the text. Did you know that sometimes the way we worship can set other people free? That's one of the reasons I'm really looking forward to the day when Second Chance begins to meet publicly every single week and we begin to add elements of praise and worship into the, into the message because sometimes the way we worship sets other people free. I think other people in the world could get freed up if they could see broken, busted up people with broken, busted up lives every single week getting together and singing to the God who ultimately set them free. See, I think that will make an incredible difference in the world. Sometimes the way, and this isn't even part of the message. You're getting this for free. Sometimes the way we worship will absolutely set other people free. By the way, you don't need to just worship on Sunday. It's the way you talk to your kids on Monday that, that's worship. Because I want to say this, and I'll keep moving, I'll keep moving, I'll keep moving because this isn't the point, but I just felt led to say this. If we raise our hands in church on Sunday, but we scream at our kids on Monday, they don't think we're a worshiper, they think we're a hypocrite. So make sure if you're going to raise your hands in front of your kids, you, you speak nice to your kids. 
You go in the bathroom, shut the door, count to 10. Do whatever you got to do, right? Because some of you have crazy kids. Anyway, I, I understand. I was that crazy kid for my mom. Ver so so they're, they're praying. They're singing. This is like jailhouse rock. Elvis Presley right here in the scriptures. Verse 27. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Now, some of you are like, well, that's, whoa, whoa, that's a bit extreme. But in this society, if you were a jailer and a prisoner escaped, you paid for it with your life. So he was, this was a matter of pride, so he was going to kill himself. Watch this. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul in silence. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul winds up leading the jailer and his entire family to Christ. What if Paul had bought into the idea, I'm wounded, therefore I'm worthless. I'm going to sit here in this jail, lick my wounds, and feel sorry for myself. Then prison doors wouldn't have been open. People wouldn't have been set free. And this jailer would have never came to know Christ. But Paul knew, I'm wounded, but it doesn't mean I'm worthless. And not only did he have a strong ministry here in Philippi, but he went on to Thessalonica in Acts chapter 17, and he went on to Corinth in um, Acts chapter 18, and he went on to Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, and ultimately by the end of Acts, he took the gospel to Rome. And today we're here because this man named Paul decided to take the gospel to the Gentiles, and every time he faced a setback, he knew it was a setup for a miracle. Hey, I get this. I get this. I, for a season, for a season, I allowed what happened to me about a year and a half ago to really get in my head. Have you ever gotten your own head? Sometimes we are our own worst. Sometimes, listen, if we talk to other people the way we talk to ourselves, we would have no friends. And I didn't know what I was going to do as far as life and career. It was like October, November 2016-ish, and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I had a friend who's a pastor of a church in, um, uh, up in the Northeast and are actually... Maybe it's Midwest. I don't even know. I get it all mixed out. If you're not in Southeast, um, you don't matter as far as basketball or football, uh, in my opinion, and I could be wrong. But, but he, he's up north. He's a Yankee, all right? Um, and he texted me one day. I got, I got a text message from him, and he said, hey, man, um, what are you going to do with your life now? And he's a, he's a pastor. He's been a friend of mine for years. Um, and I texted back, IDK. I don't know. I, I had no idea. So then he texted me and he asked me, he said, would you be willing to come up to my church and spend a few days consulting with us and talking to us about how to grow and how to plan and how to strategize and all this stuff? It was really sweet. Well, it's a nice text. I won't, it was a nice text. And I texted him back because I was just in that season where I was feeling sorry for myself. I said, dude, you don't want me in your church. I said, I'm a drunk. Who lost my church I said I've blown up my life you don't want me around because I was feeling sorry for myself and he texted me back immediately in all caps which means you're yelling no sir no sir you may have 
been a drunk, but you're not a drunk. Because what you did is not who you are. I believe in you. I believe in your ministry. I believe God still has his hand on you. So get your ass on a plane and get up here. I didn't tell you his name because I knew some of y'all would get mad that I said the word ass. But, so, so, but this, is, this is my church, all right? So, so I, I kind of left him out of it. But as soon as I got that text, I was like, you know what? He's right. I got on a plane. And not only did I go to his church, but I've had the privilege now for over the past you know, 14, 15 months of traveling literally all over the world and getting to talk to a lot of churches. And then through that, God birthed this idea of Second Chance Church, and we were able to start this church. And next week we have our Easter services. Because, listen, this is something, this is a lie that had me trapped for a long time. But I've finally bought into the idea I may have been wounded, but it doesn't mean I'm worthless. And if that's true for me, that's true for you as well. Because the one thing I know about Jesus is in his time, he really does turn hurt into healing. In his time, he really does turn pain into progress. In his time, he really does turn confusion into understanding. And in his time, I don't know how he does it, but he always seems to take the mess and turn it into a miracle. He's done it in scripture. He's done it in my life. And if he hasn't done it in your life yet, if you'll just give him a chance... He will blow your mind. What do you do when life falls apart on you? You refuse to allow the criticism to crush the life out of you. And you believe the right things about God. Because when we get in the middle of a situation that seems like it's crushing the life out of us, it may be the actual situation that brings life out of us. That brings life out of us. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for every single person who has tuned into this broadcast, who is in the room. And God, I just want to pray for every person right now that feels like life, life just isn't what we expected. We are in the middle of a situation where 10 years ago, if we would have looked at where we are now, we would have said no way, but here we are. Father, I pray that you'll just remind every single person right now that, that Jesus, following you is always the right thing, even though it's not always the easy thing. And just because we're facing resistance, it doesn't mean it's the devil. It could mean, it could mean you, God, steering us in a different direction. God, that we'll understand that you called us to be a lot of things, but not safe. And God, you would especially speak to the hearts of people right now that have believed for far too long that because they're wounded, they're worthless. Jesus, you were wounded. But Scripture says, by your wounds, we are healed. May we step into that healing today. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here in Maybe you're going through a situation where you've been wounded by others or maybe you've wounded yourself. I want to tell you, I'm sorry. But what has surprised you has not surprised God. And if we can pray for you in any way this week, a second chance, if you'll let us know on Facebook or you'll shoot us an email at 
hello at our prayer at perrynoble.com, prayer at perrynoble.com. We'd love to pray for you. And if you're here, either in the room or you're watching online, and you never have prayed to receive Jesus, maybe it's because you thought, man, I can't do what those Christians do. Let me tell you something about those Christians. Those Christians, once again, are just showing you their highlight reel. At the end of the day, it's not always kicks and giggles. Sometimes it's, it's struggles. But the promise Jesus makes us isn't that you'll never have struggles. It's that we won't go through it alone. So if you're watching today and you want to accept Christ into your life, it's as simple as asking him to come in and take over. And you can do that right where you are right now. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you want to ask Jesus to come into your life, you can just pray, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross to ro ro and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and take over. I give everything to you. Show me how to live for you the rest of my life the best I know how. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed to receive Christ on church online platform, if you'll just indicate the hand, we've already got three hands that have gone up on the church online platform. And so if you'll just do that little hand raise, or if you're watching on Facebook Live, if you'll email me, prayer at perrynoble.com, prayer at perrynoble.com, we would love to know just so we can help you take your next step in your walk with Jesus. And, and before we sign off today, let me kind of give a couple details that you're going to need to know about Easter. Can y'all believe we're having live services? First of all, um, two elements next week of, of, of the service. We've got music, um, and we got the message. We've got music. Um, people have asked about child care. Once again, no child care, nothing. If you're going to bring kids, um, it, babies, you're welcome to bring them in. You just might want to bring some hearing protection. I'm, I'm, and I'm not kidding. We're, the music is going to, it, it's going to be loud, all right? So just, I want to warn you. Um, so um, you're welcome to bring kids in. They, they, hopefully you got a ticket for them. Um, if not, we're not like going to separate you from your kid or whatever. That, that'd be kind of mean. Um, but he, here's what you need to know. If you have tickets, if you have tickets, by the way, if you, Try to get tickets and you haven't, you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't got them. Check your either spam folder or your junk folder. Sometimes they go there or whatever, and you want, might want to check those. But if you didn't get tickets, we've actually added a few more seats, so there's a slight possibility that you could get in. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Up until 10 minutes before the service starts, so we got 4 o'clock next Saturday, 6 o'clock next Saturday. So up till 3.50 and 5.50, the only people that will be allowed in the auditorium is, are the people with tickets. So if you got tickets, you'll be allowed in to get in a seat. Ten minutes before the service starts, it's open doors, and we're going to fill it up until we're at capacity. And then once we're at capacity, it's not us, it's the fire marshal. And we love you, but not enough to pay a fine. All right? Remember, we're a church plant, so we don't have a lot of money. We're, we, we used it all to have this service. So same thing on Sunday morning. At 8.50, up until 8.50 and 10.50, the only people that will be allowed in are the people that have um, tickets. You've registered for tickets. Some people are like, how do I get tickets? Um, there's over 1,000 people on the wait list right now, so they, you can't get them. There's over 1,000 people on the wait list, all right? But if you didn't get tickets and you still want to come and you think maybe you can get in, because sometimes God answers crazy prayers, right? Um, up until 10 minutes before, so if you got tickets, you're going to want to get here 
like 10 minutes before. So 8.50 and 10.50. And man, if you're here, people have asked, is it going to be online? Yes, it'll be online 9.15 and 11.15 next Sunday. Um, those two services, Saturday night will not be online. Sunday morning will be online. Um, and it's going to be fun. If you want to know where to park, go to um, mysecondchancechurch.com, mysecondchancechurch.com. There's there, where you need to park and all that stuff. We got plenty of parking. For some of us, we're going to have to walk a couple blocks. God forbid. We're going to have to walk a couple blocks, but hey, um, it's going to be worth the walk. I promise. It's going to be a, a lot of fun. And once again, I want to say this one more time because it's huge. Thank you for those of you that have been praying for us, and thank you for those of you that give. You're making a huge difference, and we believe that next week we're going to see hundreds and hundreds of people accept Christ. I love you guys. God bless. The best is yet to come.